Welcome to Act 3, the podcast where we explore how to thoughtfully shape the rest of our lives. I'm your host, Kara Gray. This podcast is sponsored by Good Morning Freedom, my retirement coaching service where I help executives and professionals plan their Act 3. For more information, stay tuned until the end. Today, I welcome Meg Green to the podcast. Meg founded wealth management firm Meg Green and Associates, Inc. in 1984. Today, she is happily retired, and her longtime partner, Todd, is now owner, president, and CEO of the firm. She's extremely proud to be the founder of what is today one of the leading wealth management firms in the nation. Meg Green and Associates, a team of 14 dedicated professionals, manages over $800 million for their clients which consists mostly of wealthy individuals, families, and small businesses, as well as sports and entertainment industries. Meg has also embraced a media career since the mid-80s with her own show talking about money on WIOD Radio and NBC. For many years, she answered readers' questions in her Miami Herald column called Money Dilemmas. In 2000, she bought her dream retirement home in San Jose del Cabo, Mexico, then switched to spots nationally on CNBC's Closing Bell until retirement in 2016. Currently, she's enjoying life with her husband in Cabo and out in Calabasas, California, near her son and daughter and four grandsons. Most importantly, she's embraced walking away from work without guilt. Yeah. Meg, welcome to the podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's a journey, and that's what I want to hear all about. I'm thrilled to have you as a guest. Thank you Thank so much you for your much. time today. Pleasure. So, uh, yeah, I'm most excited to hear about how you've managed to walk away from work and the societal pressure to always achieve. But let's start with um, where you were at Meg Green and Associates. Tell me what your life looked like then. Mm-hmm. So I jumped in in 1984, opening my own firm, and it wasn't anything I'd ever thought I would do. I didn't quite know how to run a firm, but it was just the moment in time. And so I jumped in and really swam, swam upriver. And it's hard for a woman in 1984 in finance. You bet. Breathe, you know, and um, but I just said the world needs me because I was a teacher by education And I really thought that I could teach people about money because everybody was getting ripped off. I don't know. I don't know what to do. What should I do with my money? I'll I'll buy the Louis Vuitton purse instead of putting it in my IRA. You know, and and then people were coming over and saying, well, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you in money. And that's like, yeah, worry. So I felt that by, by entering this profession, not only was I in position to build a firm and really do the right thing, but also to teach. And when WIOD radio came along and said, Hey, how'd you like to do a show? And here's your salary. It was like, okay, this is, you know, I put it out there that I wanted to teach and the universe brought me a show. Crazy. That's that's how it works. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like juggling, building my practice and radio talk radio, you know, I never gave out my phone number. I never asked people to call me. If somebody said, how do I reach you? I'd say there's about 500 people driving in their cars right now who have the same question. What's your question? And the more I told them no, the more they tried to find me. 
And wow. so the, I, I was in the bone book. <laughs> so the, Back when there were phone books. <laughs> you know, you know. So, um, and then the firm just grew. Uh, by the way, today he's got a billion under management. Woo-woo! And been his goal. Um, yeah, I love it. And I just, I worked, I worked, I worked during the week. I took out clients. I, I did radio, I did television. I wrote my column. I mean, there was no... It was no leisure, and I had two children. So you know, I was going to say, where did your children fall into? <laughs> Big time, they did. But my yeah. out from my house, okay, and that was perfect. So you know, I could I could run, I could be, we could, and my husband was fabulous too. I mean, carpools, and you know, they they got everywhere they needed to go, and they had all of our support. So I don't think we'll have to ask them, but I don't think they <laughs> felt like I was taking away from them. It was you know, adding to our family experience. And it was, they helped me, the two kids, when I did my first national radio show in my office with, with an antenna. But, you know, but they were part of it and they were great. Um, you know, but then most of that work was after they left for college and yeah. then went out to the world. So then I was really free to be a workaholic. Yeah. Which is what I am. And so yeah. I kept going with it. I loved it. I adored it. I had the yeah. best. And so I feel that I've left it all on the table. I finally got to the point in my early 70s where I said, you know what? Let the next generation take over. I think it's time. I've worked so hard that I think I'm done. I just yeah. think that, I, I think that that's it. What do we work for? I had worked teaching people how to retire, saving for retirement. I was a wealth manager. And that's what I did. And I'm sitting there sitting, telling them how to retire and saying, hey, what about me? And so right. I finally, I, I was lucky because my partner and I, he is stupendous. Um, we had it all planned out. When I was ready, it was going to be, here's the keys to the Porsche. You pay me and I'm out. And that's what we did. That's fantastic. So, I love that you had like an easy exit plan, you know, like a lot of people don't have that either when they're company right. owners. Well, so. remember, I'm a financial planner. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, that's where planner. it was. Yeah. Well, I, I really felt the hardest part was leaving my practice because I had, I told my clients, I'm going to take care of them forever. And I yeah. didn't. So when we, when we made our transaction, our clients were not even fully aware that there was a change. All my team stayed. Everything was the same. He still doesn't have voicemail. We always answered a phone. You know, things, I mean, maybe it's not as girly as it was, you know, because women are different than men and, and he's built it bigger than I did because he can. But um, the, the flavor's there and, and clients are happy and they're taken care of. And that was my goal, that not to let anybody down. And my staff, they'd been with me for years. So we built this team and I'm, you know, so gently pulling away, I didn't even stop to think like, what am I going to do? And that's a biggie. You got to think about that. But I didn't. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. So tell me about like, what was that? What was that first week or first month like when you walked away? What did you do? Well, did you go on a big holiday? Did you go on a cruise? Did you? I panicked. <laughs> yep. I did. And yeah, I, for sure. Or Todd, 
And I said, Todd, I don't think I can do this. It's like, you know, I, I mean, he goes, Meg, I have been waiting years for this. Tell me what I can do to make you comfortable. Tell me what is it that you need? I said, well, I don't think I can jump right off. I don't think I can just leave. So he said, how about if you consult for a year? He said, I'll pay you a monthly. You tell me whatever you want me to pay you a month. And you consult for a year. You come in on meetings when you're in town. When you're not in town, that's fine. So I tiptoed. And I, you know, I made sure that every client that I was close with who needed to went out for lunch, went out to dinner. This is what's happening. This is, you know, not to be frightened that I'm not going to be here. And I took that year to like ease myself out. It was more for me, I think, than than anybody. It was good for everybody else, of course, but it was great for me. And Todd was perfect. And at the end of that year, I said, thanks, bye. And no, I did not panic after that. Okay. So then after that, you kind of had it straight in your head. Do you think it was just like a, a, a mental process that you had to go through? Or did you work with a coach or a therapist or anything to get to a place where you're going to feel okay? I didn't. I just, you know, when I had that year, I kept saying to myself, so where do I want to be? Now it's time for me, yep. not, you know, do, do what I do. I'm, I'm sitting across the desk and talking to me now. What would I say? And the thing is, life is short. I lost three best, best, best friends along the way that mm. never knew where I made it. And I'm saying like, well, I'm going to just like wait and have something happen, become ill. You know, I want to embrace life now. I want to see who I am because all I was, was that person. I was a persona and I didn't really develop me that much to know, you know, who am I going to be? And so I just jumped into it. I have a fabulous husband. I have fabulous kids. I'm very blessed. I cannot begin to tell you how blessed we have our home in Cabo, which is, you know, on the sea of Cortez. It's mm. paradise. Um, so I really, and, and a home here in LA, right near the, all the grandkitties, you know, once my kids started having babies, that was it. I had to be here. So, you know, I, I kind of set everything up thoughtfully ahead of time. So when it was just me and no office and I did one last television show and it was awful. Oh, the, sh the show wasn't awful. It was awful for me because once you retire, now I'm not in it every day. And when I go on CNBC, they're going to ask me anything they want. And I have to be really sharp at answer and know what's up. So here I am now. I've just retired and I'm not in every day. And oh, my God, now I have to do hair and makeup. And why am I doing this? And, you know, they had a car pick me up and take me to Universal Studios out here. And I'm like sitting in the green room saying, why? Why do I need them to say hooray for the baby? You know, yeah. what am I doing? Exactly. And that was my last. The show went off fine. It's like three minutes, you know. Sure. There's, yeah, they're small segments. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I, that did me in. That did me in. I, it was a why. Why? What am I doing here? And then I decided I'm going to play. I'm going to play. I have no guilt. I've done everything. I've made promises to people that I've kept. Um, I, I didn't let anybody down. I didn't leave anybody hanging. I, I closed up all my little things that needed to be closed. And now here's a world. And somebody put a pickleball paddle in my hand and there went retirement, all pickleball. 
Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, what your life looks like now and the things that you enjoy. And I just find it amazing talking to somebody who is a self-proclaimed workaholic to now like fully enjoying retirement. Like that is the goal. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'll give you, I'll just give you yesterday. Okay. Okay. I went 715 to the pickleball courts. I had got my new paddle and I played pickleball until around 930. And then I went and picked up two of my grandsons and we went shopping for shoes for back to school. And we went to the mall and, you know, they're six and 11 and we went shopping and bought things and snooped around and had lunch. And then I dropped them off. My son actually met me and got the kitties. And then I came home, quickly showered, dressed, got ready and was picked up at 4.30 to go to the Hollywood Bowl with a group of girls. And we went to see, um, you know, the show and just had fun and Gladys Knight. So, and oh, nice. 11.30. So my day started at 7.15 on my way to Pickleball and home at 11.30. That's retirement. <laughs> that is a very full and satisfying retirement, yeah. I must say. I love it. But um, let me just yeah. say that there's also many days where I can come home from pickleball and I don't play every day, but I can sit down and put my feet up and read a book. How about that? Ever done during the day without guilt. That's the most amazing thing. It's the the best. Yeah. Yeah. So you are in a field where you're constantly working with clients planning for their retirement. Did you have role models yourself for retirement, like good examples of where you knew you could get to? I think the the role models that I saw were the people that were really happy and comfortable and yeah. guiltless. They're yeah. doing what they worked all their lives to do, play, their camp. It's, yeah. You know, and I saw that and I said, how fabulous, you know, that people have lives that just play you know, the golf tournament one day and, you know, taking a three-day cruise on another, you know, just just fun. And I said, that's really nice, fun. Think of it. If you're lucky enough, the other thing, though, is you can't retire without enough money for your lifestyle. That is huge. It's huge. Because that's going to make all the difference in the world as to how you are. I mean, not all. I can't say money is everything. But not having it can be everything. And so, you know, that's the other thing. I think, you know, working long enough and putting in that extra year or two or three where you can actually sock it away where the college costs are over and you're, you know, whatever your life is, um, maybe not going to the big mini mansion while you're working, maybe staying in your house and socking it away, which is what we did because I am in my mentality. But um, you know, if somebody gets to retirement and they retire and they don't have enough money for their lifestyle, it's stressful. And that's where they need to really think hard about, okay, what, what else can I jump into if yes. I'm going to retire? Because now I need to make sure there's money coming in the door. Yeah, exactly. So that's a biggie. I mean, health is number one. Yeah. Obviously. So. Yeah. And you're, you're playing pickleball. Um, do you do any other um, workout gym type things for your health? Regular? No. Nope. <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, why not? You look great. I've never met a gym that I liked. I mean, I, I just, it's like, 
we have a gym here in my community. I've just never been in there. I, I just don't enjoy it. It's yeah. something that doesn't float my boat. Whereas I love pickleball because you laugh, you have exercise, it's social, which is perfect for me. So, yeah. So it's hard. It's also hard if you move to a new space when you're retired, finding friends, making yes. friends. Everybody has their friends, you know, um, they have their families, they're, you know, jumping into California. How do you meet people? You do, we meet people when, if the kids are little or when you're working, that's how you're meeting people. But when you're retired and your kids are grown, you know, hi, what? Oh, you have a family meeting. Okay. All right. (laughs) Weird. Weird. Yeah. So how did you go about, I mean, being social and, and developing a social circle after retirement. And like you said, especially if you move to a new location is really challenging do you have any any tips for certain communities that you were able to connect with or I I'd like pickleball. to read and, and, well pickleball, yes, for sure. <laughs> Pickleball's very social and, and it's really been great. But also book clubs. I mean, if people like mm-hmm. to read, book clubs can be great. They're social, fun, you know, and, and you you build a camaraderie with the people in the book club. And it's, you know, it's Yeah, and you're feeding that like lifelong learning thing too. You know, you're keeping your brain happy and continually learning new things and discovering whatever you're reading. The girls I went with last night to uh, the Hollywood Bowl are a book club here in in Calabasas. And I met them that way, you know, by being here in the community and we become friends because you have to have something that, that keeps you tethered. Otherwise, you know, like it was a great dinner. Nice to see you. And then you know, if you don't call them and they don't call you, you don't see them. So it's, you know, right. it's much more difficult. So having something, um, volunteering. I mean, yeah. I did a lot of volunteering when I was in, um, when I worked and worked with a fabulous, started with the beginning founders of Women of Tomorrow, which was we mentored young women in high school all the way through, I mean, years. It's still going, still ongoing. And it was fabulous. So now I'm kind of looking like, the only thing that that nags at me a little bit is um, I remember Leonardo DiCaprio said, "When when you succeed, it's your job to send the elevator back down." And so maybe I'm not working on that elevator as much as I need to, and that's one thing that you know um, I think about a lot. But then again, because we're in Cabo in the winter and up here in the summers, um, it's hard to get involved with the charity and be meaningful. I yeah. But yeah. I, I have it on my desk. I'm I'm looking at it. I keep you have looking. time and you can do that. Certainly. If I can find the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You really, you really do get busy in retirement. It's funny, you know, even if it's helping somebody out or, you know, going up, went to a funeral on Monday. And I mean, just things that life, life's here. Yeah. yeah life is here. Yeah. And I'm really, really glad that I've had you early on in my podcast um, because I think a lot of the people that I'm going to talk to have had careers and that are going to go on to like do something else that's keeping them very busy. And you are, this is also another really fantastic approach to retirement where you just enjoy yourself. I mean, I think that that was the goal. I mean, years ago, (laughs) our parents... They worked, they got the gold watch when, when dad retired, mom was a 
a housekeeper and, you know, homemaker. And then they went and retired and played golf and had fun. That's what they did. Why are we overachievers? Why do we have to keep going? Why do we have to keep building? Unless, unless it's a need. Yes. You know, I just don't have that need to, I, I started an office out here in LA and I had it for one year and I went, what am I doing? I'm out here to see the kids, not to build a practice again. You know, it's like, you try things like that just to see where you are. But all of the, all of the things that I, I started and tried and I said, why, you know, what, what's, what's my goal here? Do I really need to achieve anymore? I know that sounds kind of, you know, a little bit with hubris because I did have, you know, a successful career, a couple of successful careers. I was also in real estate and I was also a school teacher. So I worked my way into my career. Yeah. But it's, it's just, it's a, it's a really good feeling of satisfaction. I did a lot of good things for people. I helped them along the way. I, I got a call from a, an older client not too long ago who said to me, I had to call you to thank you because I remember sitting in your office when we were in our 50s and you said to me, get a long-term care policy because you're going to live old and you're going to need care one day. And these policies are really worth it. And he did. Um, and he called to tell me that they were moving into this really high-end home. His wife had Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and um, all paid for. By wow. the Otherwise, they couldn't do it. Yeah. So those are the kinds of phone calls that said to me, okay, girl, you know, you did some good stuff in your life. You made people happier, better, fixed problems that they had, which, you know, I was kind of like a doctor, a, a money doctor, if you will. Yeah. But, you know, all those things really gave me a great deal of satisfaction. And the fact that my firm is still going with that same kind of tenderness is what I needed. I couldn't, I could have. I could have sold the firm for probably four times what I sold it for if I sold it to a Merrill Lynch or, you right. know. Right. But I would have tanked my clients and my staff. And that was not yeah. my goal. My goal is to like end this really nice. So that's where I get my satisfaction from, I guess, you know, feeling like I left it on the table. I love it. Well, this has been a very satisfying conversation for me to hear. <laughs> And I'm sure for my listeners as well, any final words of advice for people who are getting close to retirement? I think, I think you have to look at all the pieces. And I, I really do believe um, that if you don't have financial security in retirement, it's going to add stress and stress adds bad health. Yeah. So figure out, don't just jump and then say, okay, now how am I going to do this? And what do you mean we can't? go out to dinner. And, you know, so you have to think about all the parts of retirement and certainly your health. I mean, anybody who doesn't get a colonoscopy by 50, shame on them, you know, yep. and, and think about all of that all the way along and keep yourself healthy as you can. You know, if you're lucky to have a family, that's okay. <laughs> you know, a lot of us have, you know, different issues in different families and, you know, and I see that and it's difficult, but if you can kind of worm your way into a place where you feel financially secure, emotionally secure, be able to do it, then, then the answer is just have fun. I love play, it. Play mahjong. <laughs> play poker. I love it. Well, play thank you. Yes. 
Meg, thank you so, so, so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure, really. Thanks a lot. This podcast is sponsored by Good Morning Freedom, my retirement coaching firm. I help executives and professionals plan the non-financial part of their retirement, like how to discover new purpose and how you want to spend your time. I offer a one-on-one coaching retirement blueprint package where we work together to discover some new avenues of exploration for your Act 3. This coaching is completely custom and will provide you with a ton of resources and support as you transition to this new stage of life. For all the details, please go to goodmorningfreedom.com services.